We're speaking today with Dr. Alan Sills, who is the NFL National Football League Chief Medical Officer, full-time position dedicated to advancing the health and safety of the sport of football. He became the NFL's first CMO in March 2017, joining the league from Vanderbilt University Medical Center. As a neurosurgeon specializing in the treatment of athletes, Dr. Sill continues to serve at Vanderbilt as a professor of neurological surgery and the founder and co-director of the Vanderbilt Sports Concussion Center. So thank you, Dr. Sills, for being here with us today and on the Youth Sports Safety Update. So when you began in 2017, you were probably only thinking about head and other injuries, yet it's evolved through a pandemic and a variety of issues. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, <laughs> I guess that was in the uh, fine print under other duties as assigned, you know, uh, infectious disease pandemic. So no, I'll, I'll tell you, it's been a, to me, this is a fascinating time to be in sports medicine because I think we're poised to really have an ability to reduce injuries in a variety of sports through looking at mechanisms and, and the, the, the driving factors. And, and one of the things that excites me about the NFL is our ability to use the data we have to uh, design plans that can reduce those injuries because we have a lot of data on our, our injuries. We have a lot of video and working with our bioengineers, working with our experts, working with their union. I think we're starting to comprehensively understand a lot of injuries that have really troubled the game of football for a long time at all levels. Well, what are your current thoughts in general on youth sports safety today? Uh, where do you see we're at and provide a little glimpse into the future of how we can improve sports safety for what we've learned at the NFL level down to the youth sports level? Well, I think we're seeing great advances in youth sports of, of all types, not just football, because people are aware of so many more issues that they weren't aware of uh, even 10, 20 years ago, let's say. And I do think we feel a responsibility of what we do in the NFL of modeling those changes and making sure we share the data. You know, we want people to understand the why behind we do certain things, where it's a rule change or equipment considerations for helmets. Um, we want to explain that so that others can learn from that and, and hopefully apply them. And I think there's a lot that, um, that a lot of emphasis in youth sports that, that we can take away, a lot of uh, lessons to be learned, whether that be, again, in equipment, how we're changing rules, how we're teaching the game exertional heat illness, you know, so many of these factors that really affect youth athletes, we can all share and learn together from each other. So you and the NFL have done a remarkable job with research into concussions. So kind of where are we, where are we at with this, the data, and how can this big team you've described of, of the concussion spotters and referees and all that, how can that translate to our youth sports today too? Because we don't have all those technological wonders, sure. but how can we make it practical for the common folk? You know, I think there's an analogy here, um, Jim, which is you don't have to be a cardiologist to learn basic CPR, right? We can all learn basic CPR or how to use a defibrillator if someone collapses in cardiac arrest. Yeah. I think in the same way, you don't need to be a neurosurgeon or a neurologist to suspect a concussion, maybe not be able to diagnose it, but just to know some of the basic signs and symptoms and say, you know what? I'm concerned enough about this athlete that I'm going to pull them out of this practice or this game until they can be evaluated by a specialist. Because the one thing that we know is that when someone is injured, if they get another blow while they're still injured, those are the people who tend to have the longest lasting symptoms and the worst outcomes. So the key is suspecting the injury. And if we can teach people to the, some of the basic signs and symptoms and encourage athletes to report those, now we've got a system that even without many, many medical personnel or trained doctors, you know, can protect athletes. And so I think it's about awareness and education. That's awareness and education on behalf of the athletes, their parents, 
certainly coaches and others. But again, you don't have to be a medical professional to learn some of those basics about concussion care. And I think that's a good conversation that we hopefully will see continue. Exactly. And one thing you've shared with me is that how that over the past few years, the culture is changing in the NFL where the coaches have become more involved, the referees are becoming more involved in observing and notifying what they know about the athlete, and there's a much higher rate of self-reporting of concussions, which is an encouraging thing where we know that there was a great resistance to that, and hopefully that's a a culture shift that can uh, move down through the college and into the high school level as well. So the NFL is implementing the use of the guardian cap for practices. Kind of describe this. What benefit do you see of this for the players? And do you believe it's something they're going to embrace? Well, the Guardian Cap is a soft shell add-on. It fits on the outside of your helmet, and it's a a layer of foam padding, weighs uh, a little less than a pound. It's about 12 to 14 ounces. And it's designed to mitigate some of the force that would be received if a blow happens to the head. Um, And so... Our engineers working together with the Players Association have tested it in the laboratory, and they've found that when you hit the helmet with the types of forces that we see on field, that each force can be reduced, each blow, by about 10 to 15%. So you can imagine if you had two players wearing it, now you've got an additive effect if they happen to collide heads of over 20%. So the data on that has become strong enough that that our league took the step to mandate those, as you mentioned, for um, certain players in training camp. Um, We're starting with the players who get the most head contact, O-line, D-line, tight ends, linebackers, and the part of training camp that that shows the most head contact. And we'll be obviously continuing to measure and monitor that and and maybe expanding that beyond. But I think um, athletes and parents and fans will start to see players wearing this in the NFL this year. Um, We think it's going to be beneficial. We have to be careful, though, Jim. We don't want to say put the guardian cap on and now go use your head because you can reduce the force. It's still important to avoid head contact, but the, the idea behind the guardian cap is there's some head contact that's almost inevitable in sports where players hit the ground or inadvertently collide with each other. And so when they do, we think this can be an important uh, resource. Right. And remembering that helmets don't call, don't uh, prevent concussions. They just prevent skull fractures. And same thing with the guardian cap. It won't prevent, but they'll hopefully mitigate or lower the risk of that and uh and, and again, like you said, not be used as something, oh, now I'm even more protected, but right. it's something to help us out. Right. So parents and coaches are concerned about youth sports safety, hopefully. So when do you believe is a good age to begin some of these contact uh, collision sports, such as football, soccer, hockey, and kind of what comfort level can you provide to the parents in this regards? Yeah, so I often get asked, Jim, you know, would I let my child play a contact or collision sport, and, and, and if so, which ones? And, and my answer is yes but with certain factors. And so to me, um, it's less about age and it's more about the environment. Do we have coaches who understand um, and how to teach and train the game and avoid head contact? Because I think we should be trying to avoid head contact as much as possible. Are we playing in a league or a, a group that that is going to enforce rules and has rules that are designed to protect players and, and minimize head contact? Do we have up-to-date equipment and are we using properly sized equipment for the age of the player and the level of competition? So I think those are key questions, again, not just for football, but for every sport. And so if I, as a parent, am looking at my child playing in a league, I want to make sure the league is up-to-date on all of those elements. And so I think that that kids can play contact and collision sports safely at a variety of ages, but they have to do so 
in a league that has those considerations that I mentioned. And so to me, that's that's what I'm looking for at every age. And by the way, I also don't think there's a magic age that says, wow, once you get to this age, then full contact's great. You don't have to worry about it. It's not like that. We should still be trying to avoid head contact when we can, teach the game the right way, play it in the safest manner, enforce those rules, and have good equipment. Uh, the NFL is doing a lot of research beyond concussion in the area of reducing soft tissue injuries, uh, such as hamstring injuries, for example. Could you please describe to us a little bit what are these soft tissue injuries and what, what are you seeing, what progress is being made? Because one thing you shared in a talk was that hamstring injuries, are, we're all, we always, excuse me, we often see them with a sprinter running down the track and pulls up lame, mm-hmm. but that's really not where hamstring injuries always come from. So what are you finding? Yeah, well, first of all, we're finding this is the number one thing that keeps players off the field in the NFL. It's these soft tissue strains, which are hamstring, quad, groin, calf strains. Players miss more time, more games in the NFL from that injury than any other injury. So it's a really significant burden, what we talk about of, of, of keeping people off the field and missing time. Um, second thing is it, a lot of these are preventable. They're preventable based on how we train our athletes, particularly when they start their season. So when athletes are just coming back to training um, in football for us, it's our training camps. Those first eight to 10 days are really crucial that we monitor the amount of time and the intensity and the distance that players are running. Um, To say it in other words, it's important that we gradually ramp up. Day one shouldn't be the longest, hardest practice. It should be the shortest, least intense, and each day get progressively uh, longer and more intense. And then when you put pads on, you actually should go back down in time and intensity because that adds an additional stress to the body. You've added weight. You've added contact. So we've learned that, that those um, injuries, are, are, that we're vulnerable to those injuries in those times. And as you mentioned, a lot of these hamstring injuries are not just a sprinter running at top speed. Contact is actually involved. And so, again, fatigue, training load hydration, all those things play a role and have to be monitored. But I think the take-home lesson for athletes in, in other levels is start slow, work your way up, and, and make sure that you you monitor load, fatigue, hydration along the way. Hey, great. Any other final messages to parents, coaches, young athletes out there you'd like to give about being safe in youth sports? Well, I think we've talked a lot about risks involved with sports. I think we, we all know that there are a lot of benefits from team sports. Um, athletes can, can derive terrific benefits, and I think we, we, can, we, sh- we can and should emphasize that sports um, can be made safe and that we should encourage athletes to play sports and play multiple sports, as a matter of fact, if they can, you know, when they're early in their career. Um, but I think it's an exciting time, as I said. I'm excited where the NFL is going on this. Much of the data that you and I have talked about today is on our website. So if people go to NFL.com and go to the health and safety tabs, they can look at and read about some of this research in these articles. And, you know, we want to keep sharing what we're finding in the hopes that we can make the game safer at all levels. Right. One one last thing um, I was thinking of talking about making our sports safer. Uh, I was talking to Dr. James Andrews about um, uh, coaches certification at all levels. Uh, the NFL uh, had the heads up program for a while. Uh, that's still out there. There are other things. But do you see the benefit of some of these coaching certification programs and hopefully becoming uh, more unified so that we're not coaching the way we were brought up, so to speak, sure. but we're learning um, what are the safe techniques. And do you see the NFL moving that direction at all? Or Well, we certainly support those efforts, and I think it's cr- crucial. You know, you, you make a good point, which is most coaches 
coach the way they were coached, right? I mean, we all tend to fall back to how we were taught something and that's how we teach it to others. And so in some instances, that's good. But in other instances, there have been changes and there are safer ways and newer techniques. So I think it goes back to what I was saying about a safe environment of the league is having coaches that stay up to date, coaches that have had, for example, the heads up certification. They know how to recognize the basics of concussion. They've had basic cardiac safety training. You know, all of these to me are the elements of when you have a safe league. That's what I'm looking for for my kids or grandkids is I want to have a league that has its coaches undergo that along with background checks and things of that nature. So, again, these are things that any league can do. It doesn't take millions of dollars to, to have this type of effort, but I think it's going to make a difference for our youth athletes. Right. Just like if you go to the pool or the beach, you want to make sure a lifeguard's there. If you are going to participate in sports, make sure the coaches are properly certified and they're certified athletic trainers and others that can uh, provide the medical care as necessary and that people are aware of that. So thank you very much, Dr. Sills. We appreciate your time on the Youth Sports Safety Update and uh, have another good, safe year with the NFL. Thanks so much for having me, Jim. Thank you. To learn more, go to jaxsmp.com. And thank you for joining us on the Youth Sports Safety Update.